Biden has finally turned against Israel's war with Hamas, and he's decided that he's going to establish a Palestinian state all by himself, along with his Arab neighbors. Israel's preparing to hit Rafah in Gaza and get the final elements of the last four battalions of Hamas. Fighting with Hezbollah on the Lebanese border continues. U.S. actions in the Middle East continue as well. The U.S. presidential election this year and its impact on the Middle East. And finally, the news of Russia's new space weapon. Those stories are now coming up on Messianic World Update. Shalom, everyone. I'm Monty Judah with Lion of Lamb Ministries. Welcome to another edition of Messianic World Update. Today's date is Friday, February 16th of the year 2024. Well, President Joe Biden has finally admitted it. He's very angry with Netanyahu. In recent calls, and by the way, there was a call that was just last night, Thursday night, Biden is not getting the cooperation from Netanyahu he wants, so he's now reverted to calling him names. He's referring to the whole Netanyahu leadership of Israel and dealing with Hamas as being over the top, meaning Israel has gone way too far. And he's demanding that aid be given to Gaza under the noble cause that it's Biden who's trying to get the hostages out of Gaza. So to do that, he wants all fighting with Hamas to basically stop. And since he has so many pro-Hamas demonstrators that are against him now, it's bad for him politically to support Israel's war against Hamas. So he wants all of that to stop. So he is now not only name-calling Netanyahu, He's threatening, kind of under the table, sending his representatives, the National Security Advisor, as well as his Secretary of State, over to Israel, threatening that they might stop or slow down some of that aid to Israel. And in going further, he's demanding that the IDF has to do an investigation about maybe bad things they've done to Palestinian civilians, and I need to see a report on that. Along with him are a bunch of Democrats in the Congress and in the Senate. They're all against Israel. They don't want any more aid going to Israel. And so Biden is joining in with those speaking against Israel as opposed to the support that he'd been giving before. Adding to that, he's putting sanctions on the Israeli settlers and he is flat out against the settlements and the people, the Jews that are in Palestinian quote lands where the settlement's at. The bottom line is it's okay for Palestinians to live in Israel, but it's not okay for Jews to be in any land they think might become Palestinian in the future. That's his position that he's taking. And it's very negative against Netanyahu. Now, Netanyahu has responded to him. He has not re responded with name calling back at the president, but he has basically kind of held firm and he said, the solution here is for us to de defeat Hamas. So he's staying with the very stated policy he gave from the very beginning on October 7th and the days following. To go along with what Biden is doing, he is now pitching the idea 
that he's going to establish a Palestinian state in conjunction with the full hostage release. He thinks he's going to get all 134 remaining hostages out of Gaza in exchange for a six-week pause in the war and with the promise that they'll establish a Palestinian state. Hamas, in responding to what the president has said, says they want prisoners returned as well. They want like 1,500 prisoners released. 500 of them are in prisons for life terms, for murder against Israelis. 500 murderers released from prison in exchange for 134 hostages to Hamas, of which we know many of them are already dead. And Netanyahu has responded to the Hamas demands by referring to them as delusional and that he's not going to cooperate with it. In fact, he abruptly sent a response back, a negative response, didn't consult with the war cabinet, just gave a quick response. There was some ruffled feathers uh, in the war cabinet about him making a statement like that without consulting with them, but we got past that. So here's fundamentally what Joe Biden is trying to do. He needs to establish a Palestinian state. He wants to be the president who, have, after all of these years, since the 1993 Middle East Peace Accords, he's the guy that's going to help establish a Palestinian state. Actually, his plan is very, very similar to the plan of how he got the United States out of Afghanistan. If you'll remember the Biden departure from Afghanistan, there was all kinds of loose ends. People got left behind. All kinds of equipment was destroyed and lost. And uh, a whole bunch of Americans got killed. Well, this plan that he's putting together is going to get a whole bunch of people killed, and he's not going to accomplish anything. He simply wants to check this off in his presidential campaign. And by the way, we'll talk about that in a little bit but it's a disaster as to what he's talking about. Israel has always said, we're okay with a Palestinian state, but it needs to be demilitarized. In other words, get the terrorists out of there. Take the arms away. There's no reason for the Palestinian state living that closely to have weapons, an army, or calling in people to attack Israel. And right now, the Palestinian people are all in favor of Hamas, Hezbollah, and all in favor of destroying Israel. So how are you going to establish a Palestinian state with that? Netanyahu believes that the way to bring the hostages home is to continue to put pressure on Hamas and defeat them. We are down to the last hostages being left in Rafah. This is the large city that's down on the Egyptian border in southern Gaza. It's the last stronghold of the four last battalions of Hamas terrorists. And Israel is looking at setting up a tent city off the side, telling the civilians, move over to that, get out of the city, so that the IDF can get into those tunnels, get into those buildings where the terrorists are at, and release the hostages and get them out of there. That's his plan for it. But that's not good enough, you know, for, for the president. In fact, when we're discussing the idea of the campaign for Rafa, he wants them to stop and not do it to begin with. Secondly, when he says he wants them to do it, he says you've got to come up with a plan on how to get more aid into the people, and you've got to come up with a plan on how no civilians get hurt in the process. 
Well, there's no way that Israel can do that. What they can do is tell the civilians to evacuate. They can tell them the place to go that will be safe. But as if the people don't leave and they want to stay with the terrorists, then they're going to suffer the consequences, which is what's been going on in Gaza all along. The people could have gotten out of the way. Some of them are staying there. Right now, they're claiming there's about 28,000 uh, Palestinians that have died. By the way, when they give that number, they don't mention the number of those that were terrorists. And Israel has said very plainly and very clearly that more than 10,000 terrorists have been killed. And a lot of these civilians that have killed are the people that are supporting the terrorists. They are the family members of the terrorists. A lot of these terrorists that are killed, their family is staying right in the place with them. So when the terrorist is killed, well, the family is killed. Well, they're all civilians. And so it's re recorded as Israel killed a whole bunch of civilians. And Biden is basically trying to suggest that they shouldn't go into Rafa and they shouldn't do it without his approval. Shock of shocks. The president of the United States has to approve IDS operations now. Wait a minute. Let me check on that. Let's see. Biden is the president of the United States. He's not the president of Israel. Netanyahu is the prime minister of Israel. He would be the guy that would be making that decision. Why does the president think he gets to make that decision? It's because he's moved from giving counsel to making demands. And that's how far he's gone over the top in his foreign policy. He's broken every rule of diplomacy. He's calling his ally names. He's not working cooperatively. One of the things that you learn in this business is when you give counsel, it's their choice as to whether or not they use the counsel. You just try to give your best counsel. But if you give counsel and they don't follow it and you get upset about it, you weren't giving counsel, you were making a demand. And by the way, that's not the right of a counselor to make demands. They don't get to make the decisions. Counselor is just giving counsel. The president desperately wants more aid to go to the Palestinian people. I think everybody's in agreement with that, but the problem right now is that every bit of aid that has come into Gaza went straight to Hamas. That's a fact. In fact, the UNRWA headquarters that was down in Khan Yunus, it turns out that was also the headquarters for Hamas. They had built a whole underground complex right there at their own headquarters, had a full data center, a major communication center. It was their primary headquarters for Hamas. It was co-located with UNRWA headquarters. It turns out that more staff with UNRWA, the UN Relief Agency, now we're up to 12 confirmed UNRWA staff that are Hamas terrorists that participated on October 7th. We've now found Al Jazeera reporters that it turns out are commanders in the Hamas terrorist ranks doing stories for the international press and in fact are Hamas terrorists. The fact is that UNRWA, the UN Relief Working Agency, is a Hamas operation. And Israel is there to eliminate Hamas, and so as a result, they're demanding that UNRWA leave and that the UN put back together again the effort of what they're trying to do because the present system is a Hamas operation. 
The U.S. has stopped funding it. Several nations have stopped funding it. Of course, the U.N. has said, oh, we need the funding back. We need it desperately. Of course they do. But right now, it's run by Hamas, and Israel is not going to cooperate with that. If you'll remember, Israel is there to destroy Hamas. Let's talk about the northern border. Uh, fighting with Hezbollah still continues. In fact, this tit-for-tat going across the border, firing across the border is increasing. Israel went in and struck and took out some Hezbollah commanders and lieutenants, and Hezbollah responded with a massive rocket barrage into Israel. Several civilians were hurt. One of them was killed, even though they're moving the civilians back away from the border. There's been an effort on the part of the French and the U.S. to get negotiations going on with the Hezbollah to move them back from the border to come up with a new definition for how the border with Lebanon and Israel should work, where we keep the combatants away from each other. Hezbollah has refused to cooperate with any of those negotiations. They've pledged that as long as the Gaza war is going on, they're going to chip away at Israel and continue to fight. Interestingly enough, Israel continues with serious strikes hitting the Hezbollah areas and their strategic areas that are along the border that could be part of the harm coming toward Israel. Here's another interesting fact. There's been forces moved by IDF out of Gaza. There's a reduction of force there, and all of sources have now moved to the northern border. There are now more IDF forces on the northern border than in Gaza. And the reason is because Israel knows the war with Hezbollah and Lebanon is coming and they're getting ready for it. So let's talk about U.S. actions continuing to happen in the Middle East. The U.S. has been striking Hutu rebels in Yemen, calling them, are you ready for this, self-defense strikes. Wow, I'm so impressed with this new terminology. We have to emphasize that we're doing this for self-defense. Actually, what they're supposed to be doing is taking terrorists out so that we can open up the sea lanes again for the rest of the world and protect our ally Israel. And I don't know why they have to call them self-defense strikes, but that's the language they want to use so that everybody is happy. It's all part of the U.S. does not want to escalate things, but as we've talked about before, things have definitely escalated under this policy and it's not working. They've also been striking Iranian proxies up in Iraq and Syria. And last week, you heard about the news really put a big deal out, and lots of video on this about the B-1 raid. They sent a B-1 from the United States, flew all the way around the world, bombed the heck out of Iraq and Syria, and hit them with a whole bunch of targets. And the news media and the DOD were talking about how impressive this was. This B-1 bomber went and did this raid and so forth under the banner of, we showed them. What about the bombing raid that was supposed to happen the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that? No, that didn't happen. It was just a single B-1 raid. By the way, this is not how you win a war. This is not how you take terrorists down. It's all under the banner of the U.S. policies. We don't want a war with Iran. Well, we got that message, and Iran got that message, and you just told Iran, tell the proxies, go ahead and just keep harassing the heck out of the U.S., and maybe Biden will do what he did in Afghanistan. He'll just pack up and leave and go home. That's what they're hoping for. That's their strategy, and Biden doesn't seem to have any other strategy to offer. 
So much for his foreign policy and dealing with all the issues in the Middle East. Since Biden has become president, the Middle East is blown up. So we're going to have a huge mess for us all in the future. Earlier, I mentioned to you this is the year for presidential elections here in the U.S. We have Donald Trump appearing to be the GOP candidate. Biden, of course, is a Democratic candidate. How does all of this tie into the Middle East and Israel, and how does that play out? Well, some of the issues that we're hearing here in the U.S. as citizens is that Biden is too old and cognitively impaired versus the other strategy on the other side, we don't want Trump at any cost. So it's like not only the lesser two evils, both of them are evil and nobody wants them. It, it is now clear that Biden is against Israel and wants an Iranian nuke agreement and wants to eventually leave the Middle East. Trump, on the other hand, is for Israel and wants to get Iran out of Gaza, Lebanon, Yemen, Iraq and Syria. And then, of course, in the presidential election, there's a whole series of other domestic issues of which I'm not going to review with you. I'm sure you're familiar with it. The Democratic strategy is to disqualify Trump through these court cases that he's having to face. And somehow the only other choice is for everybody to vote for Biden as a result. Biden has not been charged, even though he did take classified material and did mishandle it, but the special prosecutor that did it gave a final report, said we're not going to charge him with it because he's a nice old man with a failing memory. Oh my, did that light off the world. Biden got very upset about that statement because that would say he's not qualified to be the president. If you're proven to be not trustworthy in handling classified documents, then how are you trustworthy to deal with the content that's in those documents? If you can't put the classified material in the safe correctly, how can you keep from spilling the beans out to other unclassified sources and so forth? By the way, in the course of the report, they found that Biden had done a whole assortment of things not the least of which is he had documents that he stole from the government that he had no access to, he should never have had. He went around telling everybody that his staff is the one that did all that packing and took those boxes, he didn't do it, but we've got photographs of him carrying the boxes out and according to his staff, they were told not to touch any of it, that he would handle it. Furthermore, he's saying it was safely kept in his locked garage with his Corvette that's, by the way, not an approved safe or container for classified material. There also, his complaint was that the special prosecutor brought up the question of his son's death, Bo, his son earlier. But according to the transcripts and the interviewers, they didn't bring that up. He brought that subject up. They didn't do that. And so uh, the report, the transcripts of the interviews with him, the Republicans are looking to get those back. It's going to reveal that Biden is telling a lot of lies. And by the way, the classified material that he had in his possession, guess what it had to do with? Ukraine. Remember back when he left vice president and about how he was involved with Ukraine and his son was working for Ukraine and so forth? It wasn't just Biden's appearance and being the father of Mr. Biden when he was hired by these other countries. 
it was that Joe Biden had information that was important to those people. Guess where he got it from? Those classified documents. Now, they don't want to indict him or impeach him as a traitor. They've decided the nice way to do this is we'll say, hey, he's an old man, he's forgetful, and so forth, and we'll just close the case. Everybody in America can see what's going on. They've got the exact same kind of case against Trump, and they want to prosecute him, but they don't want to prosecute Biden. Thus, we have our two-tiered justice system. Everyone in America can see every time Joe Biden appears in public that he's suffering from dementia. In fact, he's in the final stages of dementia. I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you what I observe. His memory is failing him. He has illusionary memories. He makes stories up. And now, the final stage, he's getting agitated when people question him. That's the reason why he doesn't like to take questions from the press. He gets upset. The public, there's been a public call from the chairman of the House Intel Committee to declassify a very sensitive subject that's come before the Intelligence Committee. It has to do with a new Russian weapon, and the news picked up on when Congressman Turner asked for the declassification. They want to know, hey, what are we, what are we talking about? What, what, what do you mean new Russian weapon? Blah, blah, blah. The White House clearly was caught off guard and is angry about having to deal with it. And in all likelihood, I'm purely speculating, but I'm talking about what has happened before in White House politics with the DOD and with the intelligence community. There is a very good possibility that Joe Biden doesn't know anything about this. And when this came out in the press, all of a sudden it's exposed that the president doesn't know anything about it, and they don't want the world to know that. And so when the White House is now responding and they're trying to take issue with Congressman Turner, they're trying to get everybody to complain about him, but the problem is this is not going away. This is a very serious matter, friends. So what is this thing about this new Russian weapon? What is this about? Well, it goes back to the Russians apparently have built a space weapon designed to kill satellites. Now, apparently, the word is it's nuclear powered or it has some nuclear capability and that power is what is needed for it to be able to destroy other satellites. You know, I don't have the details on what the weapon type is. I'm sure the intel community does. It, it, I don't know if it's an energy weapon or it has deployable detonations get to be dispatched from it or whether there's some other weaponology that's taking place. But I do know this that satellites, to be able to have that ability to do it, they've got to have a power source. And because satellites usually just use solar panels and batteries, they don't have enough power to really develop a weapon. But if you put a satellite up and it has a nuclear reactor and it provides adequate power, you now have the power to have a weapon in space. Here's the concern. We have a lot of satellites that are up in orbit all around the Earth. Many nations have them, we have them, they have them. These satellites are used for communication. We talk to people on the phone, it's a satellite. We talk to people all around the world, it's satellites. It's all our navigation systems. The airlines use it, ships use it. Your GPS on your phone, it uses satellite navigation. Is. Plus the intel community and the military has surveillance capability and communications, secure communications to military units. There is an agreement that no weapons are to be in space. This was made back in 1967. 
there is an agreement, a treaty, that no nuclear weapons would be permitted to be in space. The whole idea of putting nuclear material up in space is a dangerous proposition. If that satellite ever comes down, it's like its own nuclear weapon, you know, by itself when it crashes into the earth. And so they all agreed, we're not going to do that. If there is such a weapon, and at this point it appears that the weapon apparently has been built or prototyped, it has not been deployed yet up in space, but if such a weapon is there, it would have the capability that Russia could take out communication satellites if they wish, or surveillance satellites, or military satellites, and the end result, it would be a fall into the category of what's called a first strike weapon, right along with a high altitude EMP pulse, and it would render a country like us basically blind, deaf, and dumb. It would turn the United States back to 1950 in the flick of a switch. You know, 1950, you know, when we drove around in cars, and if you wanted to talk on the phone, you stopped at a phone booth, or you went home. And you used the Rand McNally Road and Atlas if you wanted to figure out how to get from one place to another place. And all of our communications, all our programming, television, entertainment, and so forth, and let's all go back to AM radio. That's basically what it would do if they had that capability and they knocked those satellites out. It would be devastating to the world and to this country. It is a very serious threat and needs to be treated seriously. Well, it's now out in the open. We're going to find out what happens with it now. The leadership of this country does not appear to know how to keep up with the changing world. And that's probably more concerning than any new Russian weapon. My friends, we need to pray seriously for Israel. We need to pray for the hostages, and we need to pray for us because the world is definitely changing on us, and I'm not sure the world is up to it. Hopefully the Lord's got some plans to come back soon and deliver all of us. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment on our broadcast. We appreciate your viewership and your support. Shabbat Shalom to all of you.